Welcome to Social Justice Matters, a podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name's Eamon Murphy. I'm Economic and Social Analyst at Social Justice Ireland. Hopefully you and yours are keeping well in these difficult times. Our guest interview this week is with Kieran Nugent. Kieran is an economist with the Nevin Economic Research Institute. He and I chatted about some of the labour market trends we're seeing in 2020 and about a broader vision for the future of the Irish economy, or at least part of it. It's a pretty all-encompassing topic. And just a note, this podcast was actually recorded a few weeks ago, just in case anyone is confused by references to the release of certain reports as being more recent than they actually are. Hopefully you enjoy it and check back here again soon for more episodes of Social Justice Matters. So I'm sitting down virtually, of course, with Kieran Nugent of the Nevin Economic Research Institute. Kieran, thanks a million for taking the time to talk to us this afternoon. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Eamon. How have things been going for you for the last six months? Well, you know, remote working from a one-bedroom apartment in the city centre with uh, with two of us at the same kitchen table. It's uh, been a long slog, and I'm, I'm starting to worry that I'm uh, turning into a bit of an agoraphobic now as well, you know. Uh, it's kind of worrying about going back to the office at this stage. I only mess, but yeah, it's it's been, you know, the same as for everyone, you know. Um Looking yeah. forward to, to normality whenever that might um, come back, but who knows? And and fair play to the Nevin Institute. You've you've kept the output going during the the lockdown and made a really valuable contribution to the the discourse on the economic side of the pandemic. The work that you've put out over the last six months has ranged broadly from the from the broad macroeconomic perspectives through to the effects of unemployment on from the younger part of the population, which most of the statistics would seem to suggest you're going to be the hardest hit group. What have your key findings been from some of the research that you, that you in particular, have been doing over the last six months or so? Well, just in terms of the impact of COVID, because um, it's developing every week, and every week we get a new set of numbers uh, on, you know, how many people are on the pandemic, unemployment payment, how many people are on the on the wage subsidy scheme? How many people are officially unemployed on on the live register? It's um, and and there's a lot of you know churn between those. There's people swapping from PUP into TWSS and, and vice versa. It, it's been hard to get a grasp on on what's really happening, or at the very least, what what we can expect. Um, so the the labour force survey was out. Uh, this week, and that's a quarterly um, uh, survey on <clears throat> on the state of the labour market from the CSO, um, and that's usually sampled. You know, the, the the data, the interviews are conducted over a three month period, and you get um, you know all the all the numbers are then averages. But there's been such a difference between you know the first week of of April and the last week of uh, June that. Getting numbers for, for that quarter that are comparable, you know, to what you're actually measuring to, to, to other quarters in the past is difficult. So what we what we can kind of see from it is as would be expected and as happened in 2008 is that the initial impact of COVID um, was disproportionately in terms of unemployment was disproportionately um felt by younger cohorts especially the under 25s but also everyone under 35 
um, and that the 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 recovery has been slower for that group as well. Um, so in say in 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 January February 2020, even they, there were there were only about 20,000 people under the age of 25 on the live register. There's about 100,000 more people under that age now on some kind of support. This were not this week, but uh, the last week we have figures for, which was two weeks ago. So the, we we see that that's that's kind of expected with the um, you know last in first out. But it was also the, the the sectors that were affected most tend to have a, a higher number of younger people, especially accommodation, food, and childcare have very young young labour forces. There's less than um, or two thirds of uh, accommodation and food are, are under the age of forty. So again, you know, for for, for the people maybe mid thirties to, to forty, this is going to be their second recession in in as working age adults. You know, is worrying for for the future. And then we've the reaction in in recent weeks as well. The change in tone in terms of the PUP at the start, it was great. It actually like. It's exactly the opposite of the approach that was taken um, last time when when cutbacks were introduced to to automatic stabilizers like unemployment and uh, unemployment payments. The change of tone went from you know this this will underpin growth and it and it probably did and it will probably be shown to have been the. Uh, the right decision and really kept money in people's pockets and, and on a micro level as well was the right decision. But the, the tone has changed then to people who work part-time maybe before the the pandemic will have, will see their, their payments cut. That's already started to happen. Those people are disproportionately young people as well. And so we had a housing crisis well before this kicked off and we had issues around wage adequacy, especially for younger people, especially for people who don't have the financial, uh, are not in a financial position to, to buy a house. This is going to further exacerbate their living standards and their their possibilities into the future. Well, you mentioned uh, the overrepresentation of younger people within what might be referred to as the you know the hospitality or the tourism sector and there's a lot of talk amongst various commentators in fact i was listening to alan barrett of the sri recently talking on news talk about the need to get the economy back to back to normal is the term that's been referred to i mean is that really what we want is there a need for a bit of a paradigm shift here as regards what we actually want our economy and our society to look like is there a desire amongst the workers within that sector to see a return to what constituted normal before COVID nineteen, or, or are we trying? To, should we be trying to take this opportunity to shape something different? Well, yeah, it seemed like there was talk of this paradigm shift. There was talk of you know reimagining the social contract. the The initial uh, size of the three hundred and fifty euro payment seemed to be you know, an indication that that might be what's happening in universal basic income, a, a kind of acknowledgement that the that the payments were too low beforehand. And this 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 um, concentration on tourism is worrying to me because, first of all, accommodation and food, weekly earnings in that sector are 
in the region of 40% lower than the next low sector, right? We, 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 we count, I think there's it's 12 or 13 what are called NACE sectors. So like industries in there, agriculture's in there and the combination of food is one of them. So out of all the 13, it's the bottom and it's the bottom by 40% uh, to, to the next, to number two. So it's temporary employment, it's part-time employment, it's minimum wage employment. It's the most precarious sector in the Irish economy. And it, we're absolutely dependent on powers outside of our, on, 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 on things outside of our control for that to be a success. So the last couple of years before the pandemic, uh, the US and, and the UK were doing reasonably well. And that was helping our, our tourism industry. But when they're not doing well, when we're in a situation like this, then the, the kind of, you know, the fragile nature of that um, sector is, is borne out with, with these massive layoffs everywhere. And a combination of food is, as I said, it's, it's, it's disproportionately younger workers, but the, you know, we're, there's 80 percent of, of leaving leavers are, go, are, are going to third level education now. And they, they, they're, they're hoping for uh, decent employment out of university and not to be stuck in, in minimum wage, temporary, seasonal work. And accommodation food is, you know, as, as part of this low wage, our, our low wage, low productivity model, um, it, it's an important part of it because it's it's the wage floor. And then, you know, it, 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 it puts a downward pressure on wages and conditions in the in in the rest of the economy and we consider ourselves in the highly developed group of nations i think just from an identity perspective how irish people see themselves but you know there's no other countries like that that focus on tourism like we do it's it's low it's low value added as i said it doesn't it's fragile it doesn't have roots throughout the economy roots into the economy and um it, it's it's not a future it's not it's not something uh, uh, a family unless they start their own business and have a successful business but it's not too not something two employees our age can start a, a family and have a decent standard of living with so the concentration on that and the getting back to normal is worrying there, there was talk at the start of an opportunity you see danny mccoy from ibeck had a had a an opinion piece in the Irish Times a few weeks back about this being an opportunity, but the the, the concentration on low wage sectors like retail and accommodation food in the in the thrust of his his column kind of shows you that there is this push to get back to normal and um, back to normal was not working out, and this was kind of reflected in the the. Um, the voting patterns of younger people in the last election, which drove the, you know, the anti-establishment parties, the success of the anti-establishment parties in the doll. And I think that, but you see now with the, with the formation of the new government, that that seems to be the push. The, the initial talks of a social contract and a paradigm shift, it did not take long before we were talking about austerity again deficits and a concentration on you know fiscal responsibility and and for the, at least for the last decade or so those um pressures about fiscal responsibility a lot of it came from 
outside from from EU from EU treaties and and, and EU rules uh, related to the monetary system. Those pressures aren't really there at the moment, and yet the rhetoric coming from whatever you want to call them, the commentariat or or, or some of the most prominent voices and and government voices as well, is back to this. Yeah, well, you know, we'll we'll pay for the PUP now, which everybody agrees is a great idea, but we're going to have to pay for it. We're we're going to be cutting back soon you know we we in the in the Nevin economic research institute we're kind of pushing for you know they're talking about a stimulus stimulus package and that it should be green you know we, we have an opportunity to to redirect the irish economy towards you know renewables and and uh, in a way that would meet our obligations under international treaties and in the, at least in the last couple of weeks, months, any announcements uh, that have been made uh, seem, you know, they, they, they don't seem very ambitious in terms of what the kind of tone was the first few couple of weeks, first maybe month or two into this pandemic and, and seizing this opportunity and seizing the opportunity that even the Germans aren't talking about deficits like they would and you know using the, the the environment of low interest rates to really push for an economy based on decent work instead of uh, an economy based well our economy isn't based on tourism but a lot of it is and that's what some of the big a lot of the big names that's what their concentration is and you kind of uh, come to the conclusion that a lot of the um, commentators think you know this is point of sky stuff to bring ourselves up to European norms in in in, um, in tax collection in in various ways to to pay for a more stable uh, and uh, sustainable economy. Well, you mentioned there the, the high rates of people who are going to go on to third level at this point, and reminds me of uh, something I read in a blog you wrote a few weeks ago about really the, the what are essentially their vast improvements in the education profile of people in this country, particularly those under the age of 35 uh, over the past decade or, decade or so, possibly in part driven by uh, the recession of 2008, 2009, and uh, the fact that you know, the construction industry jobs that were previously available to uh, young people, particularly young men leaving school, were no longer available, which has led to that higher educational achievement in Ireland in compar- with comparison to previous decades. But is there a worry that we're becoming overqualified as a country? I mean, certainly there's value to be added from seeing as many school leavers as possible going on to further education of some sort. But a lot of that value is then then becomes dead weight if people are working in jobs for which they don't require the qualification that they have or which they're overqualified. I mean, do you have any thoughts on whether we're compared to our European peers? Do we have a problem with that sort of overqualification? Well, well, we do, but I, we would argue that it's that's the supply side. What you need is the demand side um to you know for for jobs the old the kind of 80s uh argument is that you know you, you train them up and the jobs will appear but they, they haven't so um 
that's why we, we were in in a couple of papers there recently arguing for state intervention to to create these jobs. Now, the incentives are clear from my perspective, and we're seeing it again with this pandemic, is that the people who, you know, most safely steered their way through the last financial crisis were the more educated that, that came up in, in all the statistics. And as you said, you know, there's people, people aren't going into to skilled trades. And I, I would, I would say part of that is because of everyone sees that the Irish construction industry is, you know, it, it, it's fragile. It's all over the place. So why, why would I, I train up for something that in 10 years time I might be forced to, to, to emigrate from because it's collapsed. So th- there's, there are issues there and there are issues with everybody and, and some people aren't some people aren't suited to, to go to university but at the same time you you can you can do better matching up and on the other side of that by targeting industries for the future better and 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 and, and actually funding that kind of st- that, that those um you know research and development in higher technology areas and specifically what we we were arguing for was in 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 renewables and and green areas so yeah there there is is a mismatch there there's a tendency in 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 irish discourse again to blame it on individuals or or as some kind of mass mass hysteria about sending everyone to college and everything like that but that's i think that's a a reaction to um the kind of you know the, the wild swings that the 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 Irish economy tends to have relative to our, our European neighbors. You know, when we're growing, we're growing faster than everyone else. And but then when we're crashing, we're we're crashing uh, harder than anybody else. So there there are tools and you know um choices to be made about development models. In, as as we keep saying, you know, getting away from low wage, low productivity to to decent work, which is isn't um, open to um, the effects. We are a highly globalized economy, so it's work that isn't so open to being wiped out by forces beyond our control. So I would say, theoretically, no. It's a great it's a great thing that so many of us are going to university. It's just that we haven't uh, tackled the other side of that equation appropriately in terms of providing decent work. And again, I just touched on it there. The, that, that, is coming, that is becoming clear now with the last uh, labor force survey data as well, that you know, you've got an occupational breakdown in the, in the data. So they, they they, they ask, they, they group people into nine categories from managers at the top to what's called elementary professions at the bottom, which requires the least amount of, of skills. And there's, a, there's been a 25% drop in the employment for the bottom occupational group. And it's only been one or 2% at the top. And, and that's on the, you know, the, the, that's on the, um, the positive kind of side of the estimate. So we're we're seeing that again. That like if you want to survive, you know, the ups and downs, the the recessions, uh, recessions in an Irish context or any context that you're 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 gonna do better, on average, 
the, the better, the higher your education level. So, you know, the, yeah, there's, there's a few different parts of that puzzle that um, could be tackled better. And, you know, if you want to encourage people into apprentices and stuff like that, we, we put forward a, a suggestion of a, a state-led retrofit program with a job guarantee. And, and there's like there's examples in Belgium of the trade unions getting together with industry and, and you know, writing out courses and apprenticeships, which don't, which don't take too long in, in retrofit relative to, to other traditional apprenticeships. And, and But with, with, a, with a, a state-led investment program where there's a job guarantee, then you, you might be able to get more people into those apprentices. But they, at the moment... I think it was last year might be the, the latest figures. The the I think it's stonemasons. Any anyway, there were a few I was looking at a few um different apprentices and the the absolute number of apprentices is it is somewhere in the region of a tenth of what they were in two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. So you, and I also produced something there last year that showed that wages are, are down in still down in construction and um compensation for for contractors which is you know we, we talk about uh bogus self-employment dependent self-employment and construction as well even the the compensation for for those workers there's evidence that that's still significantly down on 2008 so if you're trying to convince 16 17 year olds to go do an apprentice and they just see this this function in construction and they see wages down um it's not it's not a very attractive um job path for anyone especially young people who want to be able to pay sourcing rents in in this country it certainly isn't and you mentioned you know the swings in in the economy particularly as experienced by the construction sector you mentioned need for a green new deal of sorts and the proposal that you guys put out for a retrofitting program and you mentioned the need as well for some kind of new development model i mean this all seems to be so obvious in, in that the requirement here is for some kind of government intervention in uh, this aspect of the economy to provide certainty first of all in the construction sector which they could do with significant investment in some of the areas where that's needed housing, childcare, public transport, the creation of a more sustainable economy and sustainable built infrastructure, given you know the, the very obvious needs for these things, but of course as well, the need for money to pay for it. But budget 2021 didn't include much in the way of an indication of a strong change in direction. Yes, it was a significant budget in terms of size and borrowing with an increase in capital investment on last year. So how hopeful are you that government will take the steps necessary? You know, economists like to forecast things, but they most of the time they shouldn't, you know. But especially in this kind of, this kind of question, I, I'm not I'm not that particularly hopeful just ba- based on how the kind of as I said earlier, the tone has changed since say April or May. Yeah, as you said, back to normal. A lot of people are saying ICTU, ICTU produce a document, um, no going back, outlining some of these 
issues. But Fine Gael were 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 still talking about you know bringing down the the income tax when you know it's, it's the opposite that, that at least the NERI have been talking about. And the NERI have, have, have released a few papers on this. Tom McDonald, Paul Goldrick Kelly in particular. Like the, the, there's this idea out there that we're some kind of a high tax economy. And you know, it's it's that one income tax number at certain at, at certain thresholds of the income distribution where that might be true in some instances. But we're absolutely not a high income or a high tax country, and that's the the the, the kind of gaps where we could transition to 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 a situation more in line with with European norms are. Uh, one in particular is the social contributions of employers, which is very low in, in an Irish context. And I think the gap, if we brought it up to to the average for high income European countries, was somewhere in the region of 11 billion, which is like the um, what's the education budget is seven. So um, 11 like billion is extraordinary amount of money in the Irish context. All right, isn't it? Absolutely huge. Right, so even just to get get up to the average, or even uh, you know, it would it would have to be done in stages, obviously, not to be too disruptive for for employers. But that's the reality. We there, there are a bunch of areas where we could change the the tax rules to to bring in more to pay for social services that are the norm in Europe, in Northern Europe, and to pay for vital services that we don't don't. Have you, you mentioned their childcare is such a is such an important one, and we see how how precarious everyone was. The, the amount of layoffs that happened in the first few weeks, and how the difficulty of you know just logistically of bringing them back now to support other people going back to work, and how key it is. We we've seen an uptick in you know part time staff who who did, did that labour force survey ask ask part timers why are you part time. And one of the options is I'm looking after kids or incapacitated adults. It's mostly it's mostly kids, and that's been rising. And even through 2018 and 2019, there's about a hundred thousand people who 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 answered that um, in, in 2019 in that way. So the yeah the, the these areas underpin. Um, underpin a, a more sustainable economy and make it easier for people to 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 go out to work as you said it takes it takes um money to do that but it doesn't seem to be on the cards for for anyone at the moment we're talking not as far as i can see i've not heard one mention of a tax increase since the formation of this government i'm not too sure i even saw any in the in the program for government and that is what it's going to take if we want to you know i suppose in our own heads we've already joined the the uh the high income nations of the world but if 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 we really want to and th- there's another issue there about our current tax model and international kind of push to undermine it which i mean of course the the consolidated corporation tax there's there's a push in the eu and the and in within the oecd which government are 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 battling um but you know in an eu context with the uk gone 
who would have been a very strong ally in this regard. The writings on the wall about how long we can uh, charge such little amount of tax to multinationals at what other countries perceive to be at least uh, at their expense and at the expense of their own revenue. So that our our middleman in international finance um, strategy and and you know the the kind of low, that that low tax model it, it's likely we're not going to be able to defend that for much longer and it's likely that you know we're we're going to be forced in a certain direction and we really should be planning for that and we really should be investing in um in a in a in a more stable economy with a more stable uh, uh, source of revenue, that that corporation tax, where we, I mean, we've been surprised every year for the last couple of years at how much it has been. There's a mystery sometimes around where it's coming from. We can't rely on it, and that that was a big issue in 2008 when we were relying so much on on on, on tax from from the construction sector, and then that just uh, collapsed, and then all of a sudden. We have twenty percent less revenue to pay for hundreds of thousands more people on unemployment. So it's a risky strategy, and the best way to um, protect the the economy, the Irish economy of the future, is to start in in steps increasing tax in those areas and 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 broadening the tax base but usually when we say broadening the tax base in the Irish context we're talking about you know low wage workers and people who haven't haven't got the money to pay the rent in the first place um what what we're talking about in 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 Neary and in other other similarly minded research institutes is that we need to increase employer social social contributions. We need to increase. We need to bring in a net wealth tax. Um, we need to yeah the, even inheritance inheritance tax in the last I think it was before the pandemic, but they were talking about increasing the um, you know the thresholds. The, the tax-free threshold on inheritance, which is you know the opposite of really what we should be doing, uh, a lot of a lot of inequality, um, a lot of wealth inequality is is a result of um, inheritance. So there's there's a bunch of reasons why. The, the other the, other than what I was just pointing out there, there's other reasons as well for these taxes. The taxes that we uh, Tom and Paul pointed out in those papers. Um, that they they would um, that they would underpin more equal outcomes, and yeah, a, a welfare state which provided better services. You you mentioned public transport as well, which is another place that we're um, kind of pushing for a an expansion of as part of a a more northern European style welfare state in the future. Thanks for listening. Hopefully, you found that useful. If you've got any suggestions for episode ideas, feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie. A couple of our more recent episodes were at the suggestion of listeners, so if it's within our capabilities to produce something, we'll happily do so. This is particularly in relation to our 10-minute lesson series, so if there's anything you'd like to see covered there, do let us know. Thanks again for listening, and stay safe.